This is the third class on the points of benefit rulings on Hajj And uh, in this talk we will talk about the uh, Who is uh, considered capable We spoke about the capability The question is who is considered capable The one who is considered capable is the one who secures a mount such that it does not cause him harm. For example, if he is physically weak, could not hold himself firm on the mount or if using the mount causes strong hardship upon him even using modern ways of transportation cars planes, ships, if he becomes, if he gets strong headaches from these means, or they are hard upon him, causes him a lot of difficulty, He gets severely tired, for example, and goes to vomiting and the like. Then there is no obligation upon him to perform the Hajj, even though he is physically able in general. And he should have the financial coverage for his food, drinks, and for his mount that takes him to the Hajj and brings him back. And after he fulfills his obligations like debts, debts, expiations, vows, obligatory spending upon the wife and relatives. And after he fulfills his legal spending upon himself and towards his family, without spending wastefully so if he has if he has ten thousand dollars and if he would perform Hajj with this money then it will take away and diminish his legal spendings then Hajj is not obligated upon him and if he spends from that and whatever he would have 
remaining would not be possible to cover the expenses of Hajj, then it is not binding And this legal expenses or this legal spending covers the period for his trip, round the trip, I should rephrase that, we can omit this please. If he has money, and such that it exceeds the legal spending required from him during the period, during the round trip time, then Hajj is obligatory upon him. And if on the other hand, he's got an investment that earns him money sufficient for him and for his family spending wise and if he would go to Hajj using this money it will jeopardize his spending then Hajj is not mandatory upon him but if his investment or his earnings from the investment exceeds the amount needed for his spending such that, for example, if he earns $1,000 and $500 are only required for his spending on his family and himself, then in this case, Hajj becomes mandatory upon him. In addition, he should have that which exceeds his most basic needs so for example if he has books of knowledge we don't tell him sell these books to make Hajj but if he has extra copies of these books we tell them we tell him sell them sell the extra and if he has two cars 
while he needs only one, we tell him, sell the extra car. So this altogether constitutes the capability. If someone owes someone money, and he is given permission to go for Hajj, So if someone, if Zayd owes money to Amr and Amr gives him permission from the lender to go for Hajj, could we say now that Zayd is capable? The answer The matter is not really related to the permission. The matter is not permit is not related to the permission. It is related to the right. So we say, pay back the loan first, then when you have the capability, you can go. Now comes the sixth condition, and this is related to woman. This condition is woman must have a mahram. The obligation of having a mahram. This is the sixth condition, yes. And the definition of the mahram is the male escort such as a husband or one of the woman's male siblings who are not lawful for her to marry who are not lawful for her to marry. This is the definition of the mahram. The male escort, a male escort, such as a husband, 
or one of the woman's male siblings who are not lawful for her to marry. And the correct opinion is that if there is no mahram for her, then there is no hajj obligated upon her. Such that if she dies, and she leaves behind a lot of wealth, then it is not binding to take from that wealth and delegate someone on her behalf to perform the Hajj and there is no sin upon her also it is not ob- obligation upon her if there is no Mahram it is not an obligation upon her to delegate someone The mahram is a prerequisite based on the evidence of the hadith of Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, that no man shall travel except with a mahram. Reported by Imam Ahmad and its chain of narration is Hassan, is authentic. Then how can one answer for the authentic reports that the mothers of the believers went to Hajj in the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab this is taken by some as evidence that women can go for Hajj without a mahram Uh, this is refuted from five angles first these are the mothers of the believers and they are like the forbidden for the believers forbidden to marry because of the respect they deserve Second, the hadith in which this was reported is no proof for either affirming the mahram or its absence. Third, Umar radiallahu an assigned Uthman for them. Umar radiallahu an assigned Uthman radiallahu an for them. And the Imam of the Muslims. is a wali, is a guardian for the one who does not have a guardian fourth
their going is ishtihad on their part is a deduction that they made and which opposes the text and the criteria is in following the text if it is opposed by a companion and the text is clear forbidding travel without a mahram so the text takes precedence if there is an opposition by an action of a sahabi and this is a fundamental matter in our religion in our deen and fifthly the company that was with the mothers of the believers was the company of Umar and the major companions so we say bring us nowadays people of this caliber so that we say this is a safe company for you to go with Now, who are the mahrams for the woman? Three, the mahrams for women are classified into Number one, those who are forbidden forever. And these fall under three categories. Forbidden by lineage. Forbidden by lineage. al muharramatu bin nasab and they are seven and they are seven
No, we should. It's not the mahram for women. This should be uh, mentioned as the muharramat, the forbidden to marry. The forbidden to marry are seven, and we deduct therefore the mahrams from them to be number one, the father, the son. The father, the son, the brother, yes, these uh, the, the three categories of women, a man is uh, forbidden, is ever forbidden to marry. By way of lineage, seven of them, the father, the son, the brother, the uncle, the brother's son, the sister's son and the maternal uncle we repeat the father the son the brother the paternal uncle the brother's son the sister's son these are the seven. The second category by way of suckling or rida. So the same the same seven the same seven but through Breastfeeding. The same seven, but through breastfeeding. Is this clear? So this will be the father from breastfeeding, the son from breastfeeding, the brother from breastfeeding, etc. Is that clear? Is that clear? <coughs> <coughs> the relationship by nursing establishes the same prohibitions as that of lineage then the third category is the category through marriage relations through marriage relations Marital relations. So, they are number one, her husband's roots. her husband's roots so this will include his father his grandfather whether from the mother's side or the father's side her husband's roots the ascending relations, yes. Second, the descendants of her husband, the descending relations, the descendants her husband's descendants and this includes his sons the sons of his sons the sons of his daughters even if they go as they go in the descending order
said, her husband's, her daughter's husband, third, her daughter's, her daughter's husband. All these three, all these three, her husband's roots, the descendants of her husband, including his sons, his grandsons from his son or his daughter, and her daughter's husband, all these are unlawful for her by mere contract. So they, this prohibition, they become mahrams, therefore, once the contract is made, once the contract is made, even before commencing the marriage, even before commencing the marriage, once the contract is made, the fourth under this category is Her mother's husband, her mother's husband, however, him being a mahram. Is, is not effective until the marriage with her mother commences until the marriage with her mother commences Are these understood, alhamdulillah? These four can be summarized in one formula. These four, that's right, consummation, yes, exactly, the same. These four can be put in one formula. The roots and the descendants of each spouse are forbidden restric restrictedly to each 
one of them, meaning to each spouse, by way of contract by way of contract except for the woman's daughter where she becomes forbidden for the husband when he actually commences the marriage with her mother. You see the word restrictedly here is very important. So the ascendants and the descendants of each spouse are forbidden to the other spouse restrictedly, restrictedly. The exception is for the woman's daughter, she becomes forbidden for the husband of the mother when he actually commences the marriage with the mother. While the three, the others, all by way of contract. So when we say restrictedly, then you can understand that, why this word is important. Because the son may marry the mother of his father's wife as well as he may marry her daughter as well as he may marry her daughter. So therefore the ascendants and the descendants of each spouse are forbidden restrictively to the other spouse by way of contract, except for the woman's daughter where we mentioned that the uh, commencement of the marriage must take place. And this word restrictively now is very important. And we gave an example that is restricted only restrictive to the spouses we gave the example on the son he may marry for example the daughter of his father's wife is that clear is that clear because he is out of the restriction he is out of the restriction and he may marry the mother of his father's wife so this is the this is the uh, the the formula that uh, makes you understand the marital uh, the mahrams through uh, the marital relationship
if one commits adultery with a woman then he is not a mahram for her mother Now, if one commits adultery with a mother, then he is not a mahram. No, he's, uh, yes, he is not a mahram for her mother, that's right. Now, the conditions for a person to be a mahram for a woman are as follows. Number one, adultery. I'm sorry, uh, adulthood. First thing, adulthood. Because what's aimed at is the protection and preservation of the woman. So this may not come from a child. Second, sanity. This is by agreement amongst the scholars. These two conditions are by agreement amongst the scholars. Amongst the scholars. Third condition is al-Islam, meaning he must be a Muslim. And therefore, according to this opinion, the kafir. cannot be a mahram for the muslima she cannot be considered according to this opinion in a safe position with him And they consider this the same as with custody. Meaning the kafir cannot have custody on the children because they, if she is a Muslim, The second opinion the kafir can be a mahram if he is trustworthy And this is applicable concerning women forbidden 
from way of lineage or breastfeeding. the spending on the mahram is obligated upon the woman So she should secure for him the travel needs, food, drinks, and demand. Because this is securing a benefit for her. So for example, if her husband is the one to go with her for Hajj then she is required to cover his expenses but the question is how much she spends that which exceeds the spending required upon him for her in her residence because spending on her in her residence this is duty bound upon the husband so if he spends hundred dollars or $1,000 on her in residence and the mahram travel expenses are $1,200 then her responsibility is the difference and that is the $200 only It should be also mentioned that it is not an obligation for the mahram to travel with her. It is not an obligation upon the mahram to travel with her. case a woman if she finds a mahram then she becomes negligence 
and delayed. Then, uh, due to that, she loses the mahram. Either he dies or he declines to go. Here, Hajj is still binding upon her. And in this case, she must delegate. Case. If she performs Hajj without a mahram, then this is haram upon her, this is unlawful. But the Hajj is counted for her. Because the forbiddance is general. Not to travel without a mahram is general. It is not specific for Hajj. The Prophet ﷺ did not say no woman should travel for Hajj except with a mahram. The forbiddance came in the general sense. This uh, brings the end of this discussion and I wanted to uh, complete it with respect to the condition for the woman so that we complete the conditions or the prerequisites for Hajj. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.